Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. All right. Hey, welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. We are so glad you're here. This is podcast, I think, 62. And I hope everybody is having a great day. This is Man Up, based on the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. And we're glad you're here. And where is Sugarland? Sugarland is right outside of Houston. So in Texas. So if you take a globe, spin it around. Second largest state in the Union is Texas. Southeast corner is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is a beautiful suburb of Sugarland, Texas. And that's where we are. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys just trying to deepen our faith and help each other along the spiritual journey. So what we do is we get together and we read a spiritual lesson. And this one we happen to be in Connect 360 character in the crown and we talk about it like regular guys and what I wanted to do is introduce our panel not only by their name and occupation but also by their interests and so when you're listening to this you may have the same questions as one or other of our panelists here and that's what makes this so real so authentic and so absolutely entertaining is the fact that Man Up, it's a spiritual oasis for men. So we're so glad you're here. Our panelists this week are, he is a policy writer, also a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is here with us. And an attorney, he's a prosecutor, but we call him the judge. Uh, Mr. Michael Cropper is here. Say hi to everybody, Mike. Hi, everyone, everyone. All right. And he sells insurance, but he's still one of the nicest guys you'll ever going to meet. He is our deacon, Mr. Kyle Trahan. Good evening, all. And he is a trainer and an intellectual. We call him the professor. This is Mr. Robert Koshu, and he is here. Say hi to everybody. Hello. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically just a salesman. I'm a writer and actor, but I am the director of Man Up. And I am the host of the Man Up Podcast. So, going to go around the room now that we've introduced the fellas. And just like guys, we let you cheat a little bit. We're going to give the summary of the lesson before we even go into the scripture. Because, hey, that's what men want. So, going to go around the room, let the fellas talk about it. And then we're going to get right into the lesson. They're going to start with the, the professor. Yeah, this is, it's a story everyone knows. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it. Samuel, basically, last week we heard God gets frustrated with Saul, says, forget it, pick somebody else, and he goes and anoints David. And right. it's it's one of the more intriguing stories. It's It gives a little bit of an interesting background into Jesse's family because there is some real interesting things backwards into Jesse's family history. And then you realize that David's the youngest who is not normally chosen for these sorts of things. And so it brings just a different perspective as we look at it. Excellent. 
Mr. Steve Titch. Well, we kind of get two parts to the story. We get the, the story of the selection and the anointing of David, but we also uh, then return to a scene at, with Saul and see what's going on here. And there is a, well, there's a cause and effect relationship uh, with God and um, some interesting developments occur uh, with, already with David and Saul. So, uh, well, well, that's there's there's to start with, well, but and we'll also talk a little about the unexpected selection of David. Absolutely, Kyle Trahan. You know, so <clears throat> it's interesting. You know, David gets uh, selected by Samuel, and some time passes, and he goes back out into the field. At least the way I see it, he tends back to his sheep, even though he knows he's been appointed to be king. Um, and then at some point, um, he's called over to Saul and is playing the harp for Saul to get his mind in the right place, if you will. But it's also allowed him the opportunity to learn the status of being king from the current king without the king even knowing. Right. Maybe what not to do. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's Michael Cropper. He didn't learn it all. Yeah. Okay. Folks, we are in the book of Samuel. And uh, uh, Steve has addressed a couple things here that uh, we're talking about. We, we addressed both the new king and the old king, as Steve said. And I just want to point out uh, I addressed Samuel the prophet uh, at the end of the. Uh, Last lesson, Robert brought out that uh, God has told Samuel to move on, and at the very first of this lesson, when Bill reads the scriptures to you, which is First uh, Samuel chapter 16, the Lord tells him and asks him, even, even prophets can get depressed, and, and the Lord says, mm. how, how long, Samuel, are you going to mourn for Saul? I am appointing a new king for you, move on. Time to go get a new king. I have, I have a new one picked out. Go anoint him. That is a good point. I hadn't thought about that. We'll return to that. We are in 1 Samuel. This is chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. 
Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of David. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servant here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man with a, and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of the armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Just a quick uh, observation um, on that I'd like to make. I think that evil spirit that they're talking about in Saul is regret. He regrets missing the opportunity that he had. I think it's regret coupled with depression. With depression. I'm thoroughly convinced Saul, after the incident we reviewed last week, where Samuel, because Saul kind of at the end of it, Saul goes, okay, let, please just come worship with me in front of the elders so I still look respectful yes, so in right, front right, of everybody. Yeah, right. And he, he realizes, I, I think he knows that God is done with him, that, that he's crossed the line, he can go no further with, and I may get to be king, but Samuel had told him, hey, God said he's done with you. So is Saul sitting there the entire time wondering, is today my last day as king? When's the other shoe drop? And, and not only that, but, but, but what, what did Samuel so do to Agog? He drew and quartered him in front of everybody. Right. And I, is, is the new yeah. king going to do that to me? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think there's regret, but I do think there is. So, I think Saul so had serious depression. At the first of this, you have new life. Right. At the end of it, what you're talking about, you see life leaving or fading, right? right. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you also see how much Samuel had invested in Saul. Oh, yes. Yeah, he, he was, he was I, obviously, he was absolutely disappointed yeah. 
Yes. And the fact mm-hmm. that Saul did not work out. But the Lord came upon him and pretty much gave Samuel a mulligan. You know, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about Saul. Well, yeah, and, and I'm to I'm going to go with Saul's mood affected the entire country. Because here's Samuel, what's he doing? When well, he's no Saul? better. He's no better. Our scriptures, yeah. Talks. I think mm-hmm. I, I think you know, they're both I, yeah. bringing it down. You know. Yeah. Your two leaders in the country. Your, yeah. your two leaders are there. Then you're well, while, while you're thinking, while you're pointing these things out, you look at this the second paragraph there, verse two, and Samuel says. How can I go to anoint David king? Saul will hear about it and kill me. I mean, so being anointed with God's Holy Spirit sometimes gives you tremendous faith and sometimes you're normal. We see him normal here and he says, he forgets. God is God and Jehovah and he can protect him from anything. But thousands of millions. It's still I think a coup. this points out, yes. It's he's, still a coup. He's going he's, to... Yeah, he, and, and yes, I mean, and, and he's... And and even when when he, Samuel shows up at at Bethlehem, they're wondering, you know, he's off his circuit. What's what's going on? Right, right. Yeah. He's coming in peace. That's right. He's coming in peace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we need to know. <laughs> and and, and uh, there's a little bit. Of, yeah, you can do a little bit of, you know, obfuscation. Uh, don't don't right. exactly say. Just say you're coming to sacrifice, but. Because there is a, it is a pretty tense political situation, right? And you know, and here's the thing: I and I, I know God is unchanging, and so uh, this is the, definitely not the Sunday school answer like we talk about here. But here's the thing: when Samuel was there and he saw his first Jesse's first son, Eliab, he. He was tall, he was good looking, and he was the first one. He was the oldest. Samuel was convinced this is the one because he was there for Saul. You pick Saul because he's tall. Oh, well, you see, no? Well, yeah, this, well, this, is your, this is the point, I think, of the whole lesson. I, this whole, at least, yeah. at least as we get through this first half of the, the chapter, is that, and it's the title of the, <laughs> the lesson itself The Lord Looks Dark. Uh, this time, this is this is That's Samuel correct. is looking he, at, but he's but it's yeah, but but yeah, yeah. Let's let's look at it this way. When and, and it's kind of in the scripture this way. Um, God, they called it in the book permissive will. Yeah, but he kind of said he did say, "Let them choose their king." Right. Right. Now he's more active. He's well, get, uh, he's, he's, he's he's definitely hey. Let's let's get it right this time. And, uh, but but to, to to what I was going to bring up because I, I I came up with some statistics. This well, is this let was me, out. Let me of, ask you this before you do. Okay. Do you think it's because they did badly? Now God is saying, "Let me show you what I'm really looking for." Yes. Oh, yes. I, oh yeah. I, 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 I absolutely. Agree. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, he draws it. God draws it. He he does it to make a point. He he lets yeah. he lets everybody gather. He lets Sam he'll yank out the horn of, of oil and and, and, and yes, no, that's yeah. obviously and, him. And you need to go into the interesting family history because remember his great grandmother was right out the heart. Yes. <laughs> you know the the hooker from Jericho that mm-hmm. hit the Israelite spies, right. but she became a believer. That's it was then, his mother. Then you get into Ruth, Ruth 
in Boaz and, uh, and you know the Moabite, yes. <laughs> you know his um, grandmother. So we're really, you know, we're mm-hmm. starting to go a little off the reservation mm-hmm. here. But it's in but this is the this is the line oh, yeah. that leads to Jesus. This is the yeah. other thing to remember um when you get too <laughs> too too hard into the, the literal meaning yep. of everything. There's there are curveballs all around. Uh, this being a big one, of course. Uh, well first of all, from, from the scripture standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, we we Samuel is presented with seven of Jesse's sons. Seven, the number right. of completion. Yet they don't even bother. <laughs> this is <laughs> to, to, I like to, that. To, Yeah, I mean, this is how much day, they're driving home the, the point that David is an outlier. He's out in the field. They don't even think to ask him, or he's not part of this. He's Someone in my class said, he's the oops. <laughs> right. He had right. seven kids. Yeah. He was supposed to start. He was an accident. Right. And, and so... So, uh, but here's here's what here's this was out of Forbes. I think they did an article some time back where they pulled a, a lot of these studies together. But um, at the way the world works, and uh, apparently companies pay taller people more money. If if you're six inches taller than an equally skilled worker, you may learn as much as five thousand more per year. Uh, overweight Whoa. overweight workers are paid less. Blonde-haired women are paid more. People who work out are in shape. Women who wear makeup. The attractive people all earn more than their equally skilled colleagues. I, 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 if, if you want to go, go, up, go to YouTube and look up 30 Rock Handsome Bubble because they sent this up beautifully with the way the world treats handsome people. John Hamm was on. A uh, very handsome actor, of course, from from um, Mad Men. From Mad Men, and he he play, he plays a brief boyfriend of the of the main woman character, and of course he's good looking. But the point of the article, he's a complete idiot, right. and he can't an uncord. He can't do anything. But people don't want to tell. People want to be nice to him because he's handsome. They don't. They they tell him he's great. So he has no clue. So we have this world viewing. Um, you know, good-looking people, and uh, God here is not really looking at the surface or even the value that, that people put on. Even Samuel kind of makes the mistake well, here. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, he's good-looking mm-hmm. with wonderful features or however he's they put that. He's right. so, ruddy with, with handsome features. Mm-hmm. Right. By, so by the way, for, Steve's article is, is February 21st, 2017. <laughs> So that quality is still there by God's selection, right. and it's—I mean, God's word. He's a handsome dude. So mm-hmm. there is, I thought that was interesting that there is still part that. Mm-hmm. You know, Saul was this big, you know, huge figure, a big man, mm-hmm. and so that's what everybody saw. And so, for that first selection, that's great. But the second one, you know, yes, I hear that he's mm-hmm. God's looking for the guy after his own heart, but he also picks a handsome guy. But also, there's the stature. Um, the, and this is the curveball. Um, the, ex, the expectation is going to be the oldest son. It's it's actually, if if you even go a little into scripture, the eldest being the being the one who is is presented, the one who God selects. Uh, and and like like I said, God God. He draws it out. He doesn't simply say to Samuel, "Go get them in the field." He has them present them all in a row. 
until this, he says this no. <coughs> this is yes. This, this no is he's, he's making a point here before supposedly the whole town is around watching this thing. So uh, that uh, that God does not necessarily look at what you know the the you know, in terms of not only attractiveness which but also stature. Uh, the, the 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 value the world puts on birth order or however you want to have it it's it, it's a different order I think the Lord also at this time values the preparation to being a king mm-hmm. he doesn't pick someone who's already an adult who already has the habits established they have their perception of what a king was. I think a lot of Saul's downfall was the fact that, okay, I'm a king of this group of people. And then he was comparing himself to other kings and trying to measure up to those kings. He picks David here, who's a boy, okay? He gives him time to be groomed into the idea of being a king and ultimately he's going to end up being around the king so he has first-hand knowledge of it as he's being groomed but I I agree with what Steve said Samuel he was tasked with doing a non-military coup against Saul and I absolutely understand why he was apprehensive about this, about this task. I totally get that. Well, I'm always a little nervous when I can be drawn and quartered. <laughs> oh, yeah. That always right. gives a yeah. little apprehension, you know. Yeah. Right. You're running a red light. No, okay. You know, well, Mike's going to be Mike's going to be, right, right. Mike's he's going to throw the book at you. He's the prosecutor. But he's not going to bring four horses <laughs> and a big, you know, big sword whack me in half. Right. Well, see, that, I, know? I don't necessarily agree with that, but I see it all throughout Scripture. You have Elisha the prophet who had the 450 prophets of Baal thrown off the cliff, right? right? God anointed him, and he went up, the people that had fallen idols, idol worship and Asherah poles and all sorts of things, and done prostitution in the temple. This was under King Ahab. And so God says, okay, it's time, Elijah. Elijah, not Elisha, my apologies. Elijah, he says, it's time to show the people I'm ready for them to come back and serve me. So he does. He calls all the prophets of Baal out. They go up to Mount Carmel, and they offer sacrifices, and the prophets of Baal do the same thing, and they cannot get their God to respond. But God responds instantly when Elijah says, Okay, God, it's time now. Take the sacrifice I've offered to you. And then when God comes down and consumes the sacrifice through fire, then he tells all the people, Okay, take the prophets of Baal and everybody and go throw them off the cliff. And they do it. So, so Elijah has this great moment of triumph. Again, the Holy Spirit's all over him, the noise all over him. And then, and this is because, you remember part of that, he says, okay, rain's going to come. They haven't had rain, what, seven years, something like that, three and a half years, seven years. Yeah, seven and, uh, years. Is it seven years? Yep, if I remember correctly. Okay, and then, uh, uh, who's the lady that we all hate? Jezebel. Jezebel. Mm-hmm sends word when she heard, hears that all the prophets are killed, and she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quarter you, Elijah. I'm going to kill you. 
because you killed all those prophets. And he got scared. Here he's just done this amazing thing. He's actually seen God's hand come out of the sky and deliver him. And, it, and, and my point of getting you here is sometimes when we're on our highest peak, when the Lord has just blessed us immensely, we can take a downturn and be afraid. And, and, and the motions can go from here, from up at the very top of the mountain, to the valley in an instant. Well, I think uh, faith, uh, particularly if you're relying on word of the Lord, is only you're only as good as your interpretation of the last message. If you're not living it yourself, you're not really having momentum. You're you're going from word to word to word, like you're waiting for the next right. instruction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but. What you said, Mike, you know, <clears throat> when you get distract, distracted and, you know, eye off the ball, think about walking on water. Exactly. Took his eyes off Jesus, what he started doing. Started to sink. He is in front of Jesus. He's right there with the man. Yeah. And he forgot what the hell he was doing. <clears throat> yes. Or what he was supposed to be doing, which was focusing on Jesus. And he starts looking at the storm and the water around him and getting scared. Yes. And so he started sinking. Yeah. And we find ourselves in that same scenario so many times. Yeah. You know, words, the prophets are just ordinary men that God has anointed. I shouldn't say ordinary men. They're not ordinary. But they're, they're not special gods. <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, if they, in other words, they can have the same up and downs that we have. I guess that would be the better way that I'm leading Well, they're definitely them. human. Yes, you know, they so are. They're going to have all the crazy emotions. That's correct. Well, and one thing about men, and well. as men being leaders, is this. When a leader makes a mistake, so do all the followers. Because the followers are following the leader down the wrong rabbit hole. So and when a man makes a mistake, the, the implications are much bigger than if it was the person at the end of the line that was making the mistake. Yeah. It impacts far more many, far more people. We're getting ready to take a break here. This is the Man Up, Man Up podcast. We are in Connect 360, Character in the Crown. This is a study of 1 Samuel, and we will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're actually this gentleman. <laughs> this is the Man Up Podcast. Podcast number 61. We are in Character of the Crown. And we are talking about 
<coughs> the Lord looks at the heart. We're in 1 Samuel 16. <coughs> David was chosen to be the next king by Samuel uh, of the Israelites. So we're going around and talking about how the Lord looks at the heart and just talking in comparison how David was selected versus Saul. And if you think back to the last lesson, there really was no other person other than Saul even considered. Yeah, no other candidates. No other candidate. So it, it was almost like it was one and done. And I think a lot of times, like the lesson that we need to also think about, this is, was their first one. They had no comparison of, of what to look at, you know. So who is that? What do you mean? They had no the the Israelites. The Israelites. They picked they, they yeah. Saul, okay. and, and as if they and they didn't have anything to compare. Whereas now with David, they're they're probably looking at okay, the shortcomings of Saul. This is what this next candidate needs to have that's different. And and the other thing is, and and we'll see this as we move forward. David gets to grow in the role. Absolutely. Saul, somewhat in Saul's defense. You know, Stephen and I have birth roles here. <laughs> Saul never got training to be a king. Absolutely. Now, Saul's problem that. was he didn't know how to go beyond his limits or his lids in yeah. leadership. David had all kinds of lids on him. He's the youngest kid. He's a shepherd. Everybody thought of him. He's, as we move forward, he starts becoming... The boy who plays music for the king, that's all he is. He goes down and hangs with his brothers. We'll hear about that later. But David found ways to overcome his limitations through God's help. Saul let his limits define himself. Well, I think the difference in age has a whole lot to do with it. And the thing about it is, David had little many successes before he got into being a warrior successes. Yeah. Mere fact of getting picked over your older brothers. I mean, just a little success like that. Each of them, those kind of situations builds a person's confidence and gets them going to where they can handle a larger challenge or something bigger, you know, bigger mm-hmm. obstacle. Whereas when you get someone who is already been through those formative years, has pretty much all the formal schooling that they're going to get, and saw they're just stepping into a new role. That's just changing jobs. That's not being groomed into a role. Right, right. I can just imagine, though, David saying to his brothers after Samuel's, Keep it on. Keep picking on me, brothers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right. Stocking for you, my man. Yes, keep it up, guys. Oh, that's right. All right. So, for my historians and theologians in the room, does anybody know how old David was when he was anointed? Thirteen to fourteen, 13? if I remember correctly. Yeah, Thirteen to seventeen. And yeah. what age was he when he took over the throne? He was like thirty something. I mean, it, it was a good... Uh, quite, it was good quite a few years. Yeah. Good 20-something yeah, years. Good. I, I thought it was 10 years after he was anointed. I don't know. I, I thought it was a little years more. Going in. Right. Okay, yeah. At least 10 years. I mean, Saul was, what, 42? 
44 years that Saul mm -hmm. reigned as king? 43 years. 43. Mm -hmm. yeah. Somewhere right in the middle of the So he was there 70. There's a timeline, I guess. Um, yeah, some I Bibles. I don't have the right Bible with me. And come on now, well. show prep is overrated, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just talk well, yeah, it out. Know what uh, questions that's are right. Uh, I mean, you know. according to chapter 13, Saul was 30. Saul was 30 years old when he became king. Uh -huh. He reigned. 43 42, 42, 43. Well, so, right, so, so he was so, a man and then became so an old man. Um, and so I, it's, it's, we'll have to keep track of this as we, right. yeah, we just, go along. Um, and, and there is, I mean, there are some time jumps as we see between this and, and, and Goliath is, on, is, is coming up. Uh, but, uh, but there is a big, there is a key difference as to where, to, between Saul's anointment and David's anointment. That's, we're told that immediately upon David's anointment, the, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Um, mm -hmm. And that doesn't exactly happen with Saul. He goes, he, he goes down, I think he, he, he joins some prophets and, and they, they say apparently the Spirit of prophecy is upon him. He doesn't get this immediate uh, indwelling. Right. The other thing is that Samuel leaves. Samuel's not going to be the go-between between as he was be with Saul and God. And, right. and Samuel, I don't know. He may not. I don't know if we see him again anymore. Um, if, if he if he appears again in the narrative, or if we really take over now with the with the story of David moving forward and 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 his life. Uh, and of course, Nathan enters the scene. So we have that, and it's also really juxtaposed uh, within, you know, within one verse after another. The spirit comes upon David, and the spirit departs from Saul. It's it's cause, as I said, cause and effect. Uh, the the and, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean things change immediately. But the Bible calls an evil spirit mm -hmm. that comes upon Saul, mm -hmm. but God is not known for giving an evil spirit. So maybe there's some definition I, there of I, evil that that should we should. I, I, I can I can see what they what, when I was preparing the lesson there, and and this gets a little Sunday schoolish, but it's not necessarily off base. Uh, the authors the authors saw God as the first cause of everything. So while we may look at rain and say when a when a high pressure system hits a low pressure system, that's what makes it rain. To someone in ten in ten ten thousand uh, BC, God made it rain, or God didn't make it rain. Mm -hmm. Likewise, obviously something's wrong with Saul. He could be depressed. We talked about this. He's he's definitely not himself anymore. And so, well, the spirit may have departed. The author, the the people around him, sees. God, the ultimate cause, uh, though it might not be God saying, "Evil spirit, go to Saul." And again, as we know repeatedly, even through the New Testament, uh, mental illness is presented as a as an evil spirit. Well, I, I, I can I can see how you're going with with that, but I also think though that the second incarnation of a king, David, has a much has a lot more layers to it. Than Saul. Saul was just picked. There was no other candidate. 
But you notice when they talk about David, he was rugged. He was good looking. He was a warrior. He was independent. But he also played the harp. So he was a musician. He had a sensitive side. So it, it, it's like he had a, a much more rounded personality and would be able to handle things with a little more of a flair and uh, uh, an artist an, an artist's touch as opposed with what you think of as Saul. As Saul is just a hard-charging one type of guy, whereas uh, David is more nuanced. And you get different, a, well. It's different personalities, and different styles of leadership, and that they but they yeah, like them. Right. But they like him more. They, it's well, more that that had to do with I think, as we move forward. I think we'll see the well-roundedness of David coming into play there. As he, <coughs> he does things that are crazy things, right? In our world, you know, you know, Saul and all everybody's mm-hmm. sleeping in the camp, and David sneaks in and. <clears throat> and basically steals water from them and leaves his sword sitting there for everybody. Well, I fits your definition. Yeah. Of, 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 I think a couple of you said my parents raised me mm-hmm. and told me not to do nothing. Do something. Right. And David fits mm-hmm. that category. He's bored or something. He starts looking for something to do it. He does it. Yeah. Such as you said, he gets antsy uh, when, he, when, when times come up and... He, hard, he can't hardly sit still. Yeah. He's yeah. absolutely a doer. Uh, we, we should look at, you know, because all this research about firstborns and yeah. secondborns. But Saul, I don't want to, we, we don't know that much about him, but as in firstborn, there are some, some assumptions we can make. And it's kind of had, he hasn't had to fight for much. Every, he's been, you know, he, he's the, God, the firstborn he has had everything given to him. The firstborn had everything <laughs> given to him. Every enough things were expected of him. So I think there was a sense of responsibility there. And we're going to see this. David, no, he was the youngest guy. He knew what it was like to get kicked around. Not that he was without skills, as we will see when he takes oh, on yeah. Goliath. He's not. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't the runt of the litter. He just. Was, was the, the guy. Youngest. He was the youngest. He was the guy who got the hand-me-downs. Who you know? Who, but nonetheless, who who learned that you know? He 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 learned that he felt he got he felt much more comfortable as often second and third children do in being their own person because the pressure isn't on them. Right. Um, absolutely. They can agree with they that. can be like like you know like the, the kid. There's a, there's a half half truth, but the the, the oldest kid when you, you give your if, if you're a parent and you give your children music lessons, the oldest kid will learn classical piano and will play it very well. The second kid will learn how to improvise jazz brilliantly <laughs> and have the parents scratching their heads. Oh, he's good, but he won't, he won't sit down and play that Chopin. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's David. And, and I think that gives a perspective on 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 life and on and you know the type of person who will, as you said, raid the tent, but leave the sword. <laughs> right, and I can tell you this also from a farming perspective and agriculture, when you're trusted to go out into the field by yourself, 
you develop independence, a willingness to make the decisions and go through that decision without asking anybody. And so you've experienced success and failure in multiple decision-making moments. And if you're out tending sheep, that is absolutely life and death situations yeah, that you've been in, that sheep, you've made. That's sheep, right. Just go, sheep, uh, if, for any sheep herders out there, apologies first. You can send all bad email to me. Sheep are some of the stupidest creatures on the face mm-hmm. of the earth. They, they don't have a brain. If you ever come to the Eastern Rodeo and watch <laughs> mutton busting, the first thing they do when they tie, when they start mutton busting, they haul a sheep to the far end of the pen and tie it up there. Why? Because every sheep they open the gate on will run right. to that other sheep and sit there. Right, <laughs> and, right. So, and they'll follow a line. Right, Absolutely. But, that's, but that's why that's so important. Because if you lose control, you don't just lose one sheep. You lose the whole kit and caboodle. Right, right. Well, we're coming down to the end of this, uh, this particular podcast. And I just want to go around the room and get one final thought and one takeaway from the fellows. Lesson number seven, the Lord looks at the, looks at the heart. And uh, David being the choice of the next king of Israel. And I, the, the thing about it is with me is that I really feel that the Lord learned through the selection of Saul to make a better selection with David. And he made it as opposed with letting the people make it. And, you know, picking and grooming David was, I I absolutely believe, based on the experience that they had with Saul. This was going to be better. Going to be a better choice. Professor. Yeah, um... Three things super quick before I get my quick summary. Um, first, we have a new follower on Facebook, Robert Dickerson Jr., oh, who yeah. I actually went to high school with. So, hey, Robert. <laughs> uh, excellent. Shout uh, out from yeah. the fellas. Um, for those of you who are interested, I posted on Facebook the article from Forbes. It was from February 21st, 2017 on our Facebook page. So if you want to go read it. John no, on the spot. It has, it has one professor. Has, that's also on our Twitter feed. <laughs> I also posted on our Facebook page the text from 1 Samuel 16 if somebody wants to run a compare contrast mm-hmm. to the Forbes versus the right. Samuel okay, piece. Um, I think this was God having a teachable moment with the kingdom of Israel. I think right. he said, okay, I let you choose a king. Wow, guys. <laughs> Good job. Let me show you what I really meant. All right. And now I'm going and finding David. And we're going to see Saul, who pretty much got the kingdom handed to him. For all intents and purposes, basically Samuel anoints him. He goes out with some prophets. He comes back and, you're the king. Long live the king. And everybody goes on. And David has to fight to become king. Literally. Has to fight to become king. And so we're going to see how where Saul let his things limit him, David let his found ways to overcome his pieces as we move forward. But this was most definitely God looking totally differently at everything the world does. Excellent, excellent. 
Mr. Steve Titch. You're looking at me now. I, I come back to this, and because because this is, I'm I'm going to speak for the skeptics and say this is the tough part, because at the end of the day, I wonder why Saul got in there to begin with, and and what, if if David was the right guy, why why all this drama, and uh, I I don't have an answer for it. I just throw it out. But it it is. We talked about that Israel was needed to be uh, united at a particular time and place against. And Philistines and, and Saul was there, uh, but the, the only the only thing I can come up with is that we're seeing God play a real long game here. And you brought up Rahab and Boaz Whoa, and Ruth. Long game. Not to not to you know not to not to sound you know like I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm being facetious, but you see you see God's plan and the. Over time here, over right now, over our hundreds of years uh, between Joshua and now, um, this is this is one of the watershed moments in the whole plan of salvation. Uh, David becoming king, and and of course Jesse's line is the line that leads to Jesus. So uh, this is this is all tremendously important. I I I, I say a prayer for Saul because I. He could be the patron saint of the man in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah. he did bring a lot of this on himself. <clears throat> As I said, he could have been great. Uh, so um, that's those are my thoughts. <laughs> Amazing. I, 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 that's not exactly how I would have said it, but uh, that is, that's excellent. Yeah, I like that. Michael Cropper. Yeah, uh, I'm with you guys. David has a uphill battle to become king. Uh, but it is interesting too that when when the people told Samuel that they wanted a king prior to Saul being anointed as king, uh, Samuel became very incensed and he said, "God, they're rejecting you as king." And uh, or and he actually he felt bad because he was actually acting as a go-between as the king, not God. And God said, "No, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me." And he says, go ahead, I have plans and I have picked out a person for the job. But in reality, he seems to not want to, to, to pick a king yet, but he does. He picks Saul. And my, my thought here is that, as you have said, he has his eye on David for the next king. And you've got to go through the first king to get to the man after his own heart. Uh, yeah, and, I would agree I, with I, that. I think that's very interesting. And, and God's big plan is so much bigger. When, when Robert backed up and said, yes, God does not look at the person. He looks at your heart. He picks a harlot by which the royal line is going to come through. <laughs> Ram. Uh, he just Keep reading the geology. It gets much better. <laughs> he... Uh, Anyway, it's it's very interesting. All this fits a pattern. Excellent. Deacon Kyle. You know, with uh, with David, he was the unlikely choice, at least in the common perception. You know, you walk up and it's supposed to model after Saul and this big, boisterous of a man or whatever, and you know, seen by everybody just when he stands up in a room. And God takes the lesser thought of person anyway uh, and exalts them up into uh, that position of power and so that can be any one of us you know not to say we're going to be exalted into a king but you can be used for God's divine purpose and not even know it yet 
go for years, nothing tremendous ever happens. All of a sudden, your calling comes in. You know, um, so it's just something interesting to me anyway. And uh, I'm getting pretty excited in, in our study here because we're entering into David, which leaves us from where we just were in the last book, uh, <laughs> David and the Mighty Men, so many times. With a drinking song. <laughs> One of the things that amazes me as men is how many times in the past year we have come back to David. I mean, we talked about him in Life at Work. We talked about him in an earlier study. We talked about him in this. Now we're back here again with him. And just what that says about studying him in relation to leadership and men. I'm, I'm sorry, Amen. I didn't... No, no. I, I just, it, it just, it's, it's, a it's an amazing yeah, right. thing he's, as you look at it. He's an interesting character. Um, of course, we know, you know, not without flaws. That's uh, what makes him so, better. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we want to model ourselves after David and, and Jesus and the mighty men and try and avoid those pitfalls that they found, you know. Um, I think that goes for this whole story. You know, Saul definitely hit some potholes and mm. broke out a shovel and decided to make them a little bigger. Um, you know, and we can all do that. So it's be mindful and prayerful for everything. Excellent. We're going to go ahead and we'll have uh, Deacon Kyle uh, lead us in uh, in a prayer, and uh, we'll call it a podcast number sixty-two. Father, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for the men that are here, the men and women that are listening to our podcast. Our biggest prayer in this whole venture is to help bring understanding to others, help bring understanding to ourselves so that we grasp what God is truly trying to tell us in each time we read these stories, what he's trying to tell us at that exact moment. Help us to be better for each other better for others, direct us in our daily lives, and help us to be better men for our families and for our church. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the Man Up Podcast. We're coming to you from Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas. We want to encourage each of you to go out and to find a Bible-based church. Get involved in adult Bible fellowship preferably a men only, where you don't have to have the Sunday school answers. Be a spiritual oasis for men. Iron sharpens iron. Get involved, and if there isn't one, start one. We'll see you back here. You can find us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Facebook. And if you ever wondered what we look like, New pictures are being posted all the time. And we do have an upcoming show that's going to be on YouTube. So for the rest of the fellas, my name is Bill Cox. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.